Hey guys, it's Brian, and I know it's been a couple of months since you've had a brand new episode of Dial a Drummer. But trust me, we're coming back in just a few weeks for season two of Dial a Drummer, and it's gonna be epic. But until then, we're gonna go back into the vaults to episode number one. The one that started it all. Now, we streamed this live during the taping across all of our social platforms, but we never really released it as an episode. And this month seemed like the perfect time because our guest is drummer Adam Box from the band Brothers Osborne, and their new album drops this month, April 2018. Now, this episode was recorded June 2017 and because it was our first episode all this technology was brand new the studio was new you're gonna have to forgive us on the quality of the audio and the video you guys know I'm a perfectionist when it comes to that this one you gotta get me a mulligan on but it's such a great episode I really wanted you to see and hear this stuff Adam was an amazing guest he's a great friend And this is going to be an amazing album. So sit back, relax, check out episode number one of Dial a Drummer. Cue the Wayback Machine. Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm Brian Stevens and welcome to the very first, the flagship, the premiere the beta-tested uh, episode of Dial a Drummer. Dial a Drummer. Here we are. I'm Brian Stevens. I'm Shannon Corey. And we're a couple of just average working drummer fellas who uh, happen to own a little bit of technology. We sure don't know how to use it yet, <laughs> but we got it. And uh, so we're actually here on the Internet Live today. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. And um, hopefully, if we get our Skype connection happening uh in just a bit, our call-in Skype will take some calls. If not, if that's the only thing that doesn't work today, I'm going to be happy. You've pulled off a lot then. <laughs> Brian has been working very steadfastly trying to get all this up and running. Yeah, it, it, when I tell people, hey, would you like to come to the room above my garage and do a, a podcast and broadcast it to all the interwebs? It sounds like a pretty easy proposition, right? There's 27 laptops sitting here. It's insane. <laughs> I got more cameras than uh, I got more cameras than most television stations. Um, figuring out how to use them is a completely different thing. But see, that's one of the cool things about this. So check it out. So now I can I can look right there and I can talk right to the people. I have my own camera. It's the people cam. It's the people camera. And right and, and check it out. When you say something really important, I have a people cam. You have a people cam. You can talk right to that cam and. It does. You don't see me at all. It's like you're not there. It's well, you know. <laughs> anyway, so I'm now I'm back. So, dial a drummer. Welcome to the very first episode. Uh, we're really getting the stuff. Just it's all chewing gum and rubber bands and <laughs> clothespins today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, so, what is dial a drummer? Dial a drummer. If if you think uh, think about sports talk radio, right? Um, how guys just call in and they pontificate about their teams and their favorite players and the things that they love, and other guys talk about it with them. 
We're going to keep stats on drummers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So if you go over your lick limit for the week, you're go- you're done. <laughs> We're going to keep track of how many sticks you break, you know. <laughs> no, no. Silly stuff. So it really is. There are a lot of great podcasts on the internet now for drummers. Absolutely. Um, and I listen to every single one of them, and you guys do a great job. But I really kind of felt like there was a hole. One of the things that most drum podcasts pride themselves on is they pride themselves on uh, not getting into the really, really geeky stuff. Right. Uh, not nerdy enough? Is not nerdy enough, yeah. So this really, if, you, if you're really hungering for the, the nerd, the drum nerd mecca, that's what we're, we're here. That's what we're going to be about. Uh, for now, until we can get our call-in line working, uh, feel free to leave a comment on whatever social network you're looking at at the time. And my son-slash-assistant across the room, Bailey, do you see any comments yet from people? Uh, nope. Just people joined. People joined. Okay. okay. Somewhere, if, if, you'll, if you'll get around that app somehow, he's 19 years old. He can figure out anything in 45 and a half seconds. I mean, I heard, uh, I Good. You can, you can kind of keep track of comments as people, for now, until we get the call-in thing working, feel free to um, weigh in on your comments. Uh, if you have any questions, by all means, just type them in whatever box on whatever social network you're using, and, uh, and we'll try and answer them live here on the show. And over the coming weeks, as we get all this technology worked out, we actually get a little bit of polish. And a little professionalism. Figure out what we're actually doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As that starts to happen, we're, we are. We're going to take your calls. Feel free. Um, other ways you can contact us here at the show. Uh, you can hashtag dial a drummer on Twitter and ask any kind of question you'd like. You can uh, email us, dial a drummer at gmail.com. And see, if I, was, if I had another week, we'd have these cool graphics. I'd just throw them up there and... They're just gonna have to listen. People have to use. They'll the see it evolve over time, so we'll see how it grows. That's the beautiful it's a good thing. thing. That's the beautiful thing about this is warts and all. We're here on the internet. We're talking to you, and uh, we're we're having a dialogue. So make sure you follow us on all the social networks. Uh, Dial a drummer, pretty much everywhere. Facebook.com/slash Dial a drummer is the page. Like us so that you'll get notifications whenever we go live and all the stuff we post during the week. Uh, I'm gonna talk Shannon into really getting geeky. <laughs> And he's gonna he's gonna post all kinds of drum porn for you, new gadgets, new stories, uh, salacious bits of who got hired and who got fired, and well, who got hired. Yeah, we'll we'll stay with those stories. You have to go to lunch with us. This is a positive show. Yeah, you have to go to lunch with us to get the who got fired probably. And, and really, that that speaks to how this started, because you and I, if not every week, just about every. Every week to every other week, we'll go to lunch and hang out. Yep. And we just talk about anything and everything, but because drums are such a, a vital focus of what we do, we talk about drums. Absolutely. Talk about gear, talk about what we're practicing, how we're practicing. So we're going to share a lot of that stuff with you uh, on the show, and we're going to ask you to share your tips and tricks and whatever you want to talk about. Absolutely. And then we're also going to get other people involved. We've got some... A special guest this afternoon, which we're very excited about. We'll be talking to other companies. We'll be, we're going to be doing a lot, and it's going to be a very interactive, not just Brian and I talking, but we're going to really try to do something a little bit different than some of the normal podcast forums. Yeah, well, we're going to talk a lot, but... I mean, yeah. 
Don't get me wrong. We like to talk, so that's uh, yeah, a, some, it's well, a given. Some of, us, some of us talk more than others. But it's all about, you know, the passion of drumming and music and, yeah. you know, everything that is going on with technology and how, how to utilize everything out there. We'll talk about how to use technology after I figure out how to use. If you see me at any point during the show, I, I really, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not, I'm not checking my comment feed or my Twitter or my email or iMessages from pretty girls. He's or taking nothing. selfies, putting them on Instagram. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, in fact, I'll, uh, I, I'm over here with the technology. Here's part of the technology here. So if, uh, if you happen to wonder why, why Brian check out while Shannon was talking, that's, uh, that's why. <laughs> it's normally the case. It's okay. So, uh, and as we go forward, there's going to be a, we're working on a great website at dialadrummer.net. You'll be able to get all kinds of cool uh, information. And uh, at some point today, we're going to give away uh, a prize. Why don't you hold that up, Vanna? <laughs> Thanks to our friends, uh, Rob, Rob Wallace, Wallace and uh, the folks at Hudson Music. We're going to give away a Modern Drummer 2010 DVD. And uh, we'll tell you towards the end of the show how we're going to give that away. And uh, let's see, what else are we going to What are we going to do today? We'll just talk about stuff. We're, we're going to try and get our, our footing today, and, and hopefully you guys will hang with us as we do that. And uh, make sure you tell your friends. If you're on a social uh, media site right now, Periscope or YouTube, or see, that's the cool thing, and that's the thing that really uh, kind of makes this different. Right. Uh, imagine if um, someone really important had a press conference, right? And they blanketed every single network on the television. The government likes to do that a lot. We, we're not going to talk about that on this show. <laughs> so but you're saying we're the guinea pigs of the drum podcast. Yeah, think world. about think about our, our, we're blanketing all of the different social. <laughs> Uh, networks, all different all live works. video feeds. Uh, there are 12-year-olds on Twitch right now that are wondering <laughs> why these two old guys are sitting here and bantering back and forth about absolutely nothing. Because we have the money to pay for the gear. <laughs> <laughs> there, there is something that's nice about being older. I knew that. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can pretty much, if you're watching live or you want to watch live, uh, every week you'll be able to watch us. I'm going to take that next week. Uh, write that note down, please, Bailey. Tape your mic in place, Brian. Uh, <laughs> You'll be able to watch us on uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live. If you're on Twitch, I didn't really advertise that, but we're on Twitch. Uh, Periscope, and uh, we're constantly finding new places that we're going to put <clears throat> this. We uh, we may we may put it on some websites that don't don't even talk about drums specifically to uh, reach out to drummers that uh, have other interests like gaming. Right. Uh, and so that's uh, that's enough of all of that. It's a good lead-in. Now what? <laughs> what? Are we uh, done? Uh, <laughs> bye. See ya. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you. No, no. What? Uh, how? How was your week? What'd you do this week? What did I do this week? Yeah. What'd you do? I had some gigs this week so mm -hmm. far. I mean, it's Monday, so over the weekend I had some gigs. Um, got some session work this week, and my girls come home from Italy this week, so I'm looking forward to seeing them. Italy. My daughter's been over there with a Buford Girls Community Chorus. Cool. Getting to sing in the cathedrals. So my daughter is actually over in Italy right now being a rock star. Very it's cool. It's pretty cool, yeah. There's some pretty places there to, oh. to perform, too. Pictures have been amazing. I bet, I bet. And the chorus group is its a wonderful group of girls. And Buford, city of Buford was nice enough to help these girls have this opportunity. So very cool. 
Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. How about yourself? How's your week been? Uh, it's been busy, man. I mean, it's, uh, uh, apart from just putting this thing together, uh, you know, doing a few gigs. Are you one of those guys that every single gig you post a picture from every gig you play? No. And every session you do? No. Not that there's any problem with that. No. But um, there, there are certain... I'm probably way behind on the whole social media thing, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and your friend Brian... I'm just trying to work. ...drags you onto the... <laughs> Onto a podcast, and and puts it live on the internet. I love it. <laughs> no, no, no. So uh, a lot of times I'll play little little nondescript wedding gigs, and I'll do little wedding gigs like uh, on Saturday afternoons for mm-hmm. a couple of hours. Sure. And I don't always. After a while, I think people get tired of. Well, here's my office today, and it's the exact same drum set, but it's a different carpet. <laughs> right. And I, I think we know we know drummers around this town enough and we've been to enough of the different places to play those kind of gigs like I know when somebody's at Cherokee Town Club and they take a picture right. and I see the carpet I go like yeah no exactly where they're at Easy. if they're at the Capital City Club <laughs> right. I know what the wall in the back right. looks like I'm like oh he's at Capital City Club the windows are like at the Chattahoochee Club yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, so um so I don't always post a lot of those kinds of things that I do, even though they pepper out through the week. So uh, I had a few of those. I obviously worked in the studio pretty much every day. Right. You uh, had a vocal session last night. Yeah, yeah. That one I put in because uh, the vocalist I was working with, uh, a singer named Lex, and you'll see some stuff from her later uh, this year. She's uh, she's working out. She lives out in L.A. She works with a lot of producers there. Um, I've been working with her for a few years, thanks to a drummer friend, Justin Varnes, who had connected us. And Shout pretty much, it, it, you, pretty much every keeper vocal take that she's going to record, she's going to record with me. Nice. We have a process. We have a dialogue, uh, sort of a shorthand of how to work with each other, and uh, it really helps her to get uh, to a place emotionally where she can really deliver what she's looking to deliver in a song, mm-hmm. and uh, it's an environment where she feels safe. Nice. So yeah, so we, we did that last night for about six hours, and um, oh Saturday, so Saturday. I purposely didn't take a gig Saturday night. I did a little wedding thing Saturday afternoon. Good show and then, down. Yeah, I went to go see Boz Skaggs uh, about five minutes from the house. Nice. And Convenient. Yeah, yeah. It's a great place called uh, the Sugar Bowl. The Bowl. The Bowl. Sugar okay. Hill. The Bowl is Sugar Hill. Uh, there must be a Sugar Hill. You should be, know this. There's probably a trademark on Sugar Bowl, and they couldn't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's how much I pay. That's why we don't do a sports show. <laughs> But uh, so Bosgas were playing, and David Northrup, who f- used to play with Travis Tritt and the Oak Ridge Oak Boys, Ridge Boys yeah. and I think he might have played. Oh, there's a bunch he's of played people. with a lot of people. Yeah. He's a great drummer. He's doing the tour, and uh, it was really cool getting to see him in that seat. Right. Because I kid you not, it Surfing sounded all those great grooves. It sounded like an album. I bet. You know, and to hear David. Uh, playing all those great grooves. Most of them are per- Jeff Picaro grooves. He did a really, really good job. Nice. Uh, seeing that gig, though, reminded me one of the tunes that they obviously have to play is a tune called Lowdown. Classic. Classic Boz Skaggs yep. tune. And it got me to think about something we could talk about on the show today, which is uh, simply deceptive grooves. Grooves that if you just listen to them and you think, uh, yeah, I, I can play that song. You 
you might be mistaken sure. how difficult it is the, to really play that song. The first listen, you think it's easy and then it's not. Yeah, it's not till you really dig in that you find out how difficult it is. And Lowdown, for me, I had to learn it last summer. First time in 40-some-odd years I had to learn that tune to actually it's play. A tricky tune. Had to learn it last summer. And it wasn't until then I really dug in and I found out why it's such a hard tune to play. Because if you really listen to it, if you listen on the on the left side, the I call it the driver's side. Right. There's something happening that's not quite so obvious. Uh, there's a, an overdubbed hi hat part that really drives the whole tune. Right. And when I was learning the song, and, and it was it was a matter of like I was trying to get the parts and getting the parts isn't all that hard, but getting it to feel that that in the pocket and laid back, but push and drive and have some locomotion is difficult. And that's when I noticed, oh, wait a second, there's hi-hats opening on the right and the left side at the same time, and then sometimes, like, um, left to right. Alternating, if you will. Or I would hear, <clears throat> I would hear um, a closed hi-hat and maybe a, a snare drum in one side and an open hi-hat. Weird stuff. And so, you know, basically the, the hack for that was I took one ear out. <laughs> of my learn the right side track and then come back learn. That's yeah, pretty smart I took, actually. I took one ear out of my earbuds and uh, I listened and I went, wait a second. There's nothing. There's continuous hi-hat right. in that side. And then I put in the other side and I went, oh, wait a second. There's more. That sounds like a drummer playing. And so uh, if you go and listen to the tune, you can YouTube it, Spotify it, whatever. It's easy to find. Um Lowdown. My my guess my guess is one of two things happened. Either uh, it needed to sit in a certain kind of pocket, and it just maybe Jeff wasn't able to make it really lay the way he wanted to playing all the sixteenth notes. That's a possibility. But what more than likely happened was they cut the track and it sounded great, but somebody went just. I want one more. It could like drag, push. It could. It needs something, and you know, Picaro being the the genius that he is, yeah. it just went. You know what? If I just play especially some with the sixteenth note hi hat parts. Yeah. How about I just and play some hi hat at that most of the time? Just play some. I'll play some hi hat. You can put it on the other side. This is before the days of, of drum machines and uh, you kids that that uh, you know. <laughs> this you're, is back when everybody actually recorded in a room together. <laughs> It used you, to happen. You kids and your Ableton Lives and your Pro Tools and your machines. Your <laughs> this was before it was before all that kind of stuff where, where guys were thinking about how to layer tracks. And uh, so to me, knowing that, it, it really made it a different learning process for me to go back and actually learn the tune without the 16th notes, really trying to find that pocket. And then as the one guy trying to play two, two things, two parts. go back and reintroduce the 16th, it totally changed the way that I played that song. Mm -hmm. I still don't play it right, but it's closer to right. Is there some song for you that you go, yeah, I thought that was going to be easy until I started to really dig into it? Boy, that's a great question. As far as overdubbing, not so much, but I, in the deceptively simple a classic tune by Level 42, Lessons in Love. Yeah. That is four minutes of the most pocketed funk groove. 
and it is so locked with Mark King's bass part. Oh, yeah. Phil Gould played his butt off on that track, and that's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. So deceptively simple in a different way, and that, boy, you just got to lock and go with it and stay with it. And, and I'm guessing, too, the, the bass part is probably... Oh, yeah. I mean, they're just... Talk about a bass, <clears throat> a bassist and a drummer being so locked together, and the groove is so deep. It's a beautiful yeah. track. Yeah, and Mark King's such a, an amazing bass player. Kind of underrated bass Absolutely. player. Absolutely. The whole band... I mean, the band was, I think, underrated. Still underrated. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And everybody under, like, 23 and a half has no, no idea. idea who level 42 is. <laughs> what we're talking about or why it matters. And this is the part where if, uh, if the Skype connection was working today, we would call in and we, and we would basically start asking people, right. do you know who Do level you know 42 is? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't, Lessons in Love, level 42, off the running in, in the family album. Great track. Cool, cool. So uh, one of the other things that I wanted to kind of table today before we get to our special guest, we have a special guest today. If you haven't already looked at the graphic, we have a special guest today, and uh, I'm really... We I'm, appreciate him patiently waiting yeah, on us, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's right off... We can see him, we but can you cannot him. yet, so... <laughs> Not yet. But uh, our buddy Adam Box is going to be on in just a few minutes, and uh, yeah, you know what? Since we don't have the call in line, and it. I really do want to make this, I really want to make this like like sports talk radio for drummers. Right. Except we never talk about sports. Okay. We only talk about drums. Right. And, and music. Because There's, kids, drumming is not a sport. <laughs> yeah. It should be wow. music. I'm just saying. It should be musical. If you're only worried about how athletic you are, please don't call. <laughs> So I tell you what I'm gonna do. That's I'm gonna, my PSA for the day. <laughs> I'm gonna open up the line here and uh, make sure you don't pick your nose, buddy. I'm fixing to put you on the screen. Everybody, I want to say uh, welcome to our buddy Adam Box. Adam, thank you for being here, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, Adam is the the touring and the recording drummer currently for the Brothers Osborne, who are on tour all over the flipping world. Uh, I know what you did this weekend, but tell us what you did this weekend. Uh, so it's been CMA Fest here in Nashville, and uh, it's been a mess. <laughs> uh, last year it was awful. It was really it was really hot. But this year it was actually pretty mild outside, but um, we had some extra traffic because the Stanley Cup. Playoff. Oh, the finals were last oh. night. That's yeah. right. Okay. Going on. So uh, Broadway last night was just outrageous and. Um, Nashville, I mean, it's already used to having plenty of people come, but right now for CMA Fest and uh, the Stanley Cup, it was a perfect storm for just a big mess, but it's over now. It, it all came last night. It was it was pretty cool, but sadly, the Predators didn't win, so I know we're not supposed to talk about sports, but... <laughs> but, hey, you got to respect them for being, what, the... 15th or 16th seed and making it all the way. I mean, that's unbelievable. What a great season by them. Young team and just to host the Stanley Cup in the South is just funny. <laughs> right? You know, we don't play hockey in the South. Come on. <laughs> I've never cared for hockey. I mean, I think it's cool and stuff. I've just never, and to be honest, I haven't really followed many sports teams at all, but I totally was behind the, I joined the bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be a fun time for the city, though, with everything going yeah. on. It's electric. It's the it, the city Nashville is just so electric right now. It's and um, people are coming here like crazy. Tourism tourism's just booming. The real estate market's outrageous because I'm in the market right now looking for a home and everything. I just kind of like. 
I mean, immediately it's gone the day it's put, it's, it's outrageous, but just the electricity that's happening in Nashville, I thought to take the Stanley Cup would just be just absurd. Just right next year. Absolutely. But they made a, they made a good run though. It was very good. We live in an area of the country for people that are watching that are in other places on the globe that have no idea. Uh, Adam's in Nashville. We're in Atlanta. We're in the southeast. Ponds never freeze over. No, right. That's true. The only way you'll ever play hockey is to actually go to a building right. where they turn the air conditioning down, and somebody has made a place for you to do that. Yeah, it's, they call it lacrosse, and it's played outside. <laughs> <laughs> this actually turned into a sports talk radio show. I can't believe that. We did it. But respect to Nashville. So I have a question for you, Adam, about Nashville. With the, with everything going on right now, and is I know there are a ton of musicians that are have infiltrated. Is the scene, is there enough scene there to handle all these people? Or is it just getting... Um, ridiculous to find a spot i mean you're fortunate that you have a great gig but i know you've been you've been with that gig kind of from the ground up correct i have yeah and when i first moved to nashville i my perception of the whole scene was that it was huge and vast and um just to even get a gig plan down on broadway for me was just a very uh, long shot you know so uh, I'll be really honest. I'm not completely sure what it is like right now, but um, all of my friends that are on touring gigs are, are busy. Uh, I still get calls for things in town. Um, so as far as I know, there's still a lot of work. The good thing about for every drummer that moves here, there's a guitarist and bass player and Lord, I'd say twice the guitarist and <laughs> yeah. 10 times the singers. So, with every singer, there's a guitarist, and once they get together, there's a spot for a drummer. So, um, so there's still plenty of room. Yeah, and you know, I didn't. I wanted. I really wanted to get into the playing around town, and I did a little bit in an area called Printer's Alley. Um, I just had moved to Nashville, and was just googling i hadn't i didn't know anybody all i knew was where my house was and there was a taco bell on the corner and then <laughs> here i just had to start you know branching and exploring but i would google every day nashville drums hmm. drum anything i just didn't have any leads whatsoever and um so i eventually came across a drum off and I was like, this is great. This is at a bar. I didn't know anything about the place. or uh, But they had a drum off. And that kind of led me into, uh, I got the house gig from that drum off. Oh, nice. So that led me into playing an eight-hour gig, mind you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no breaks. And if I did get a break every once in a while. That was when the owner saw some pretty girls come in, and he wanted to play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long gig, though. Eight hours? Hey, it, that is the hardest gig. I'll, I, that was great because I'll never play a gig harder than that one. First, I didn't really, I had not listened to very much country music. This was seven years ago now. I had not listened to much country music. I came from the rock world. So not only was it physically strenuous, it was mentally exhausting. And I would um, 
have to do, be watching cues from the guys in the group. And thank goodness it was just a situation where I, I could say I had a lot of room to learn, but I also didn't because the uh, owner of that club, who I'm friends with now, but at the time he rode me and I just would get anxiety every time I saw him. Oh man. <laughs> but it was the hardest gig. I can't imagine ever having a harder gig. So it was a good boot camp to go to Nashville. But with what you're saying is I didn't, that was my little taste of um, doing the, the nightclub thing, the, you know, to the three o'clock in the morning, the, you know, the bro- sort of Broadway, it's, it's just a, a block parallel to Broadway. But um, that's kind of my experience with the scene in Nashville. And that was a spot that I was, I felt that I really was going to have to compete to get. And then a lot of people, I know all the drummers that competed in that drum off would wanted that house position and I, I got it. So um, it was, that was a good learning experience. Well, congrats on a getting the gig. And uh, did that, so from there, did that lead to your current gig with, with the brothers Osborne? Not exactly. So my other thing I did, and this is while I was Googling Nashville and drummers and drums, the day I moved to Nashville, um, I just I had finally kind of rearranged what little furniture I had in this house, in this uh, room that I'd rented from um, some people I'd met in my hometown, and uh, I sat down and just made a Craigslist ad, and I just said, "Hey, I'm a drummer, and I'm looking for people to jam with," and I didn't, I don't really remember getting any responses from it. And except for one, and this actually, this is the very beginning of the lineage where I am right now is because of that ad. I can't say 100% if I had not made that ad that I would be playing with Brothers Osborne today. How, how, how so? I mean, what, what was it about that ad? Well, the uh, person that called me was a young kid, 16 years old. And uh, he called me and just said he saw my ad. He was in Texas. <laughs> oh, and uh, and he was wanted me to, you know, he was just interested in talking to a. He was a young guy, and he just wanted to talk to somebody that was a drummer in Nashville. And apparently, with a video attached to it, he was sort of convinced that I was, you know, somebody to know. He called me every month. He called me about once or twice a month, and to be honest, I was answering the phone to be polite. And he talked really well for a 16 year old, you know, and he's just so smart. I could tell. And, and a whole year went by and he said, I want you to, I'm going to go to California and record a demo. And I was like, he said, I want you to come with me. My dad owns a steel company. <laughs> I never played with the, any musicians. I really? Mean, he, he, he was very green, you know, but I, I said, dude, I've never, I've never even heard you've never sent me anything. To be honest, I've been talking to you for this whole year just because I don't, you know. I'm a nice guy. Yeah. And uh, so he sent me something, and when I heard it, I was pretty blown away. Right. I was like, because I I'm, I'm, was used to playing with musicians in Mississippi, which are amazing. And then looking for a singer and looking for an artist that I could, you know, that I thought really had it. And it, I always felt like maybe some things are missing for some of the, the uh singers and, and songwriters the, the the it factor right and i saw it immediately it blew me away and i said dude my lease is up i've been here a year 
my lease is up. I'm coming to Texas and we're going to, I'm going to, his family invited me there and I lived there with his family. This is going somewhere really good. Trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging with you. I'm hanging with you. I lived there with his family and they put us up in this double wide trailer out in the middle of this cow pasture. This is in, this is in Texas, Orange Grove. There's 2000 people there. It's, I mean, there's nothing there. And, um, we were in this double wide trailer, nothing in it, but the, the drums I brought and his guitar. And I brought my buddy, Chris Green down there just to have another, another musician. Great there. guitar player. Great guitar player. Unbelievable. And, um, after we did that a while, I was like, dude, we need to go to Nashville. And he ended up coming back to Nashville, and I, I put a band together. I'm going to skip way ahead. I put the band together, showcase, 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 showcase. But, um, and the way that was happening was that a family friend had got him a, a, a team of guys that were the managers. But what wasn't legit, but they could talk their way into getting some showcases happening. But when people started seeing this kid, it was, it was pretty easy to get these things happening. And we did this for about three years and then he got his record deal. I'm not going to say who it is, but I will say that that day I got fired. Oh, no. Oh, wait a second. So you helped this kid all along. You were took him under your wings. And then the day he gets the deal, you let go? Yeah. Oh, man. And he didn't even do it. I mean, he, he sent his manager to my house to tell me he, you know, I don't really want to talk about that too much nope. because I love the kid. I love him. Right, He's right. He's my brother. He's a knucklehead. Well, that, that's that's an interesting point to bring up, though, because I think um, one of the things, no matter what scene you're in, at some point you have to invest yourself in other people. And that's always a gamble because just because someone's talented doesn't mean they're going to make it, whatever making it means. And just because they make it doesn't mean that you're going to get to go with them. Right. I mean, we, we've both had situations. Sure. Shan and I both. People that we've uh, invested in. Either we, I know for me, both people I've played drums for and people that I've worked with in the studio. I have, I've had people I've produced in the studio that have you know, locked arms with me and gone, man, when I get my deal, it's us, baby. Right. All the way. All the way to the top. You and me. We can do this together. And the minute that contract is signed, that didn't have my name on it, obviously. Right. And the check got signed, didn't have my name on it. Well, and, and like Adam's saying, a lot of times when you get it, if you, I mean, we've all been in that situation, right? So it's never that person that you invested the time with to give you the news. So, all right, continue, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Where, where, what, so what happens next? It's. It's the uh, it's one of the greatest lessons I ever learned in my whole life, because at one of those showcases, a girl named Lucy Silvis was opening the show for us. She was showcasing as well, and uh, Lucy's husband is John Osborne of Brothers Osborne. Oh, now we start to see it come together. Yes, so. Um, the bass player that's in Brothers Osborne, he's been there since the beginning as well. He would uh, stop by the house I was renting at. We, I, I lived at this home that had like five dudes crammed in a little ranch home. Band house. <laughs> $200, you know, to get just as least as amount of money as possible and, and living in 
And anyways, he would visit a guy there and um, he would hear me rehearsing while we were getting ready for our showcases which in the garage out back because we would rehearse there and he would just walk by and hear it. I heard he was a bass player. I heard he was really good. I didn't know anything about him. So he, he had visited and uh, he goes, how's the thing going? I was like, man, oh, crap. Um, edit. Uh, <laughs> It's live, brother. Oops. It is. It, we'll take that out of the archive version. <laughs> get going. And I was like, man, I got to let go. Uh, it's just crazy. I got to let go. And he said, man, I'm working on something right now. It, let me just get back in touch with you. It, it's good. Trust me. And I'm like, all right. And uh, a couple weeks later, I got a call from John Osborne just saying, uh, you know, he had a couple gigs coming up, and he don't know if I'm interested on going on the, going on the road. But at the very least, he needs somebody for three shows the weekend. And to be honest, that was all I was planning on doing because I knew this was starting at the ground, and I wasn't interested in going through all that again. Sure, I just wasn't. I thought my, I said my next gig is going to be a national touring act, and I'm going to figure out how to get there. I wasn't interested on starting something grassroots, and. Uh, to be honest, the reason I'm still in the band today is because I just, after those three gigs, I never really said yes. I just, when somebody called for, um, to set up my direct deposit and I was like, okay. And just kept on, (laughs) (laughs) I just kept on showing up at the bus. (laughs) They never, they never said go home. You deemed yourself very reliable. (laughs) Nice. And we've been busy ever since. And it's been, it's just been a dream come true. Every bit of it's unbelievable. And it's the best thing that ever, the work, what I thought was the worst thing that ever happened to me was uh, actually the best thing that ever happened to me. And the, the lesson that I, and I even uh, mentioned this in a little uh, section, the uh, on the beat that Modern Drummer does, you know, that um, you're not really working towards point B. Or you can say you're working, you're looking at, you got point A and you want to get to point B, but it's C, D, E, and F looking at you from the outside. Mm. And those can be greater than your point B. If point B may be your ultimate goal and, and all those other outside factors are looking in and there can be better than those. And if as long as you're diligent about what you're doing at the moment, it's like just another show where we're doing another thing. But that night, to me, I played the best, I played as if, the brothers Osborne in the future, this meant my future, you know, unknowingly. But if you're always diligent in that way and always knowing that even the most benign and cumbersome, whatever, it's easy to start going through the motions. If you remember that what you're doing is you can't predict anything that's going to happen to you. So just expect the unexpected. And that's how I got to where I am now. You know, that's awesome. So it's the old adage that, you know, so, one door closes, the next one opens. So you know, yeah. but, but so you got to keep the faith in that. If you're playing that wedding on Saturday afternoon, don't phone it in. Hey, yeah. Hey, one of the best lines I ever heard from somebody, another professional drummer, was there's two kinds of musicians, working and not. Doesn't matter what the gig is. If you're working, you're working. Yeah. And, and you got to be pro no matter what the gig is. Yeah. And I think that's very important for... Some of the younger guys, you know, sometimes they might like, oh, it's a wedding gig or it's a bar gig. 
hey, you don't know who's in the audience. All it takes is one person or like you said, the wife of somebody or you just never know those opportunities are there. We're blessed to be able to play music, make the most of it. Right, no doubt. For sure, for sure. So Adam, let's flash forward now into where the brothers are now. You've already got a record that's, uh, that's done incredibly well uh, and especially the two singles. Uh, as much as I, I like 21, uh, 21 Summer, that's, mm -hmm. I like that better, even though it didn't chart as high. That's, that's one of my favorite songs of the last probably five years, uh, is that particular song. So, but that whole record did really well. You guys did the whole, you did all the late night shows, you did all the early morning shows, uh, you guys have... I've, I've seen your pictures from where you've been to you toured uh, like China or something like that. Like you went to Asia and where where all where all have you gone? Uh, right now we did a, a run through Japan, Guam, uh, and then more recently we toured the UK, uh, Manchester. We played the O2 Arena in um, London, and it was a really good experience. And you know. We, we just cut the new album, but that album's still going. We got a single right now that's it's at number 18, I look, today. So wow. it's the third single from that album. It's still, I mean, just to have a second single from an album these days, pretty tough. But it's the third one, so we're still riding the wheels on this one, you know. And we got another one in the bag ready to go. That, that says a lot because now, especially with, with country radio, I mean, they— I don't know if people know how, how the business is, is set up, but really they're literally cycling tunes through the charts every two or three weeks. That's why you have a number one song, a new number one every two or three weeks. And and there's reasons, business reasons why it's kind of set up that way. But for an album like that to still be having charting singles is that's a big feat, man. That that says a lot about how great that record is. Yeah, well timing is huge as well when uh stay a little longer uh i just didn't think it was ever going to work its way up the chart and it did it finally was you know lingering in the 20s and when it got up to the teens it was a long process and there was a lot of assurance from uh the, the label folks at the label and stuff and it just it didn't seem like it was going to happen but the timing we had just played jimmy kimmel you know some some things like that that little show, that little Jimmy Kimmel show, a couple of people watch that. As soon as that happens, of course, you have the end of the year, the last quarter closes and everything freezes, mm -hmm. you know, and then it just, everything shifts after that. So <clears throat> if it doesn't happen before then, sometimes when you come back at the, the new start of the year, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, where everything's sitting, but with the timing of that single, it finally went number one. And uh, 21 Summer, I, I felt like, it, I think it may went in the 20s, 23, something like something that. Something like that, yeah. Have some of the timing uh, things going on uh, media-wise that would have pushed, pushed it up. But the, the single that's going on right now, because uh, we did the CM, CMT Awards the other night, mm -hmm. With Peter Frampton. I was just about to tease that one. How was that? You got to play. You got to play with the guy who plays guitar through a box that sounds like a person. <laughs> it was surreal. It, it really was. And I've always heard he's a super nice guy. And people say that about everybody. But Peter Frampton is 
really nice. Yeah. He's extremely friendly. And, you know, I, I could see where somebody on his level would come out and just feel like, you know, at least the energy they're giving off is that they were doing us a favor in a way. But I think he was having more fun than any of us. He was, it was, he was like a young teenager jumping around the guitar. He was cool. smiling. And, and he tweeted the next day, I'm just going to run off and join their band. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah. But as far as the timing goes, so that happens. Um, doing a, 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 a pairing like that with the brothers, which John Osborne is already uh, making his name as one of the guitar greats, especially in not just country music, but we've done shows with Derek Trucks and, uh, the music's really palatable to cross over some other genres that are more in the jam band sort of vibe, you know. So to pair John with Peter Frampton um, on the single that's out right now, plus uh, as far as a perfect timing goes, not that I wish any ill thing on Chris Stapleton, but Chris Stapleton had hurt his hand. Mm. So um, he had to drop out of the show at the Nissan Stadium last night, which had a crowd of about 50,000 people, and we took his slot. Oh, wow. Wow. No pressure. That's that's, that's five with four zeros behind it, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, stuff like that, you just can't make, you can't make stuff like that happen always, and and just because of that, I, you know, I, every once in a while I'll check. The brothers don't check the charts just because it's so it's such a roller coaster. But I'll look every once in a while just to see. And uh, it, sure enough, it's bumped up from 20. It stayed on 20 for a while, and it hit 18, at least on media base. And there's so many factors going in, and I just I hope I can see it go all the way to the top. There will be a couple more timing things that will happen, but we'll see, you know. So for let's talk about that for just a second because – because you've had a position with them from the very beginning when there really was nothing except a bunch of guys in a room and some songs, and it's built all the way to this point, you've seen how the business has uh, grown and unfolded. What mm-hmm. what are some things that surprised you about the way that this business works at that tier and maybe some things that have helped you understand how how you going forward can be a better business person maybe how how does this whole thing work um well i would say the the very most important thing of having a successful career as a drummer in the drum business alone is i you know i didn't realize that i was going to make so many i knew i was going to have business uh acquaintances mm-hmm. with once I got wherever I wanted to go, I didn't realize I'd become such good friends. You know, it's such a separated uh, thing. It's like these people are very important to our career and yet they're very important to me personally, everybody involved. Yeah. Um, even the drummers I meet. Um, but if you are able to just adapt, adapt you're not going to be around people that necessarily think like you all the time that have the same background the views as you do but i've i've been able to uh and this is this is a feat for a mississippi guy you know just to get in and 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 make friends with people so that if something happened with the brothers osborne i could continue my drumming career just from what i've done in the 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 um, 
the uh, contacts I've made through it. Now, on the other end of that is um, if I had got the gig, a gig like this, um, say for an established act, I would not have been ready on the business end of it. How so? Um, thank God most of the actual business finger quotes is handled by somebody and I, will, I don't have you know to deal with it and it's pretty it's fair between us and the band so you know I don't I'm not worried ever worried about possibly getting you know taken advantage of or anything like that but um, the uh, I had a chance since I started at the beginning with brothers to make all my mistakes along with them yeah and along with the other musicians, which uh, there was some more, some guys that had done national acts or Pete, the bass player, he, he'd play with plenty of acts, but with the brothers coming up and them um, kind of learning as they go as well, I was able to sort of fumble around until I got it right, which is huge. Now, you know, now I feel like uh, if I got a big, really, I mean, this is a big gig, but if there was, if I made a lateral move to another one, I would just continue doing what I'm doing. Um, I've learned a lot on the business end of that as far as what's expected and the technical part of it. You know, I had, I was not, I wasn't running Ableton. I wasn't running tracks. Uh, I, I was running tracks, but I was just doing it my little mono way, splitting left and right, you know, click right. But when it came down to this big production, I had to learn, uh, some new skills hmm. that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been prepared for. And thankfully I had time to do that. You know, because it was it was something they weren't used to having the luxury of having in the first place. So yeah, because you guys are you guys are from having seen you not this last time you were here, but the time before when you're doing the theater show. You guys had just started uh, playing along to video. They got these cool video monitors that look like old televisions and stuff like that, kind of dressing cool. up the dressing up the thing. So you guys are. Not just running tracks for the sake of running tracks, but you're actually syncing to video and doing all kinds of stuff like that. Talk talk about that process of what you had to learn and what what new things you had to put into your toolbox. Well, in the, on the Dirt Rich tour, which we did uh, last summer or last uh, fall, uh, they had spent money on production, which was our first time to actually have a, a set, you know, on stage. And it had, a, a, as you said, a bunch of TV screens and stuff. And so they had made a lot of footage that would go along with these songs, plus some of the actual music videos and lyric videos that were going on. And um, we had originally, they had brought in uh, a laptop that would run this stuff. And I'm already running Ableton on one laptop, which when everything's going wrong, you're breaking sticks, dropping your drum key, which I still don't understand where it goes when you <laughs> drop <laughs> It's like a sock in the dryer. It's just gone. Uh, but I got enough stuff going on. Um, and, and I'm running Ableton, uh, trying to, you know, stuff's going on where vamping's going on, and I'm having to be on top of this stuff, running the entire show. And now I have a new computer beside that one running video. I'm like, okay, what do I do? Hit this and let that. I don't know. I'm going to have to figure this out. So literally while we were, at our first rehearsal with this video equipment, I said, you know what? I'm not 100% sure. I probably should look this up, but I think I can run video in Ableton. Yeah. You know? and, and, of course, the, the guys that were putting this all together, I mean, they put out, they put Eric Church's stuff together. And I mean, they, they do they huge stuff. 
and here I here I am taking control of this media, you know, mm-hmm. and I not that I'm qualified. I just believe that if I if you don't try. You know, anybody can do it. You just have to do it. Yeah. Right, right, right. Just get, get, can't be scared to jump in. You get your hands dirty with it. Yeah. I needed to make it easy. So uh, I finally figured out right there at that first thing. I said, Y'all give me an hour. I think I figured this out. And I had incorporated all the video just, and it, it's not, it, it looked exactly like a wave file. You know, you just stretch the start of the video. You know, it just fit in Ableton just like that. So, I mean, there's people listening that may be like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's like, thank God. So, um, here I am controlling not only the tracks that we're playing, you know, to which are usually just kind of percussion, uh, but I'm also controlling the video, you know, which is a huge part of the production. And here I am thinking, I had no idea that I would be able to have these skills, but I just had to, I had to learn it. And I, it wasn't, I just learned it by falling into it and just trying to make things easier on me, you know. Kind of like what we're doing here with the technology of the show. We're messing up enough for long enough (laughs) that we'll eventually get it right. That's, that's kind of the idea of that idea of iteration. Uh, I got interviewed on a, uh, another podcast, the the Multimedia Ninja, uh, MultimediaNinja.com if you want to check it out. And that's what we really talked about is this idea of iteration where you just kind of get in where you fit in and uh, look at what's in front of you and decide how can I work to achieve something with what's in front of me. And then once you get there, you feel a little more comfortable. You got your feet right. planted. Then you go, all right, where am I missing the mark? Where is this not quite to the level where I'd like to see it get or everybody else would like to see it get? And how do I get to that next spot? And then how do I get to the next spot? And you don't have to be doing it right. The only thing <laughs> the person that has to know it's not right is you. Right, right, right. They just It looks right. The video is all in sync and everything. But if uh, able to, whoever uh, designed Ableton is looking at my screen, he's probably thinking – what <laughs> you know? I'm like, hey, this is how I figured it out, and this is it. I use the tool, you know. I may be using a Phillips head on a flathead, but it's turning the screw. You know? <laughs> That's a good analogy. That's a great analogy. It's turning so, the screw. So the key really is to be open minded as well through the learning process, yeah. you know. And just another, so many avenues within the tools. It's like there's right, there's easy ways to do things, and if you take the time to learn them. That's great, but you'll be surprised what you can do if you just start pushing buttons. <laughs> Fumbling around, right? <laughs> What's coming up for the brothers? You just recorded an, a new album. Yep. Any idea when that's coming out? It'll probably be the beginning of next year, mm-hmm. uh, simply because this one's still got some legs. Uh, Pawn Shop still has some legs on it. Um, we did record the album with the same producer, Jay Joyce, um, and he wanted to do something a little different. In Nashville, I mean, the common thing is uh, the artist goes in with some demos and they hire the studio musicians, and we're fortunate that we got to play on um, Pawn Shop. That's pretty unprecedented. Yeah, Nashville especially is not, for Nashville. Nashville's not known for letting the guys in the band be a part of the recording right. process. I mean, even famous bands that tour as bands. Yeah. 
I didn't. I was thirty years old before I realized that the guys in Alabama didn't actually play on their own albums, right. even though their names on the album. So that's pretty unprecedented. Yeah, and Jay Joyce is pretty unorthodox himself, you know. And uh, so Jay, he's uh, the when we were actually recording Pawn Shop. I remember him looking at his phone and going, "I just got my tenth number one this year." <laughs> <laughs> And just being like, he was so like, oh, I've got my tenth number one. Hey, when's uh, dinner going to be ready? <laughs> so for him, he, he really uh, needed to switch things up for himself. And he wanted to do an album at his beach house in Port St. Joe, Florida. Mm. So uh, he had his interns uh, pack up a big old box truck full of all the equipment from this. I mean, he has an amazing studio in Nashville. It's a church he converted into this huge, gorgeous studio that he sent it down to uh, his beach house. And we stayed on the beach for two weeks, no schedule. Um, we, we were in Nashville. You wake up at nine o'clock yep. and maybe get started at 10. There's time for everything. Well, we, we woke, just woke up whenever you wanted to. It was 1970 all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Walked to the, we walked the beach to the studio because we stayed in a guest house, which was the last house on this cove. I mean, it was isolated. So that nobody on this whole beach, we just walked the beach by ourselves, you know, in the morning, whenever we felt like it, start recording whenever we felt like it. The interns were shaking, making margaritas while we're sitting back and you know, you get the blender on the album. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, it was so loose and, and the attitude was so relaxed and it, we captured it. And, um, Jay Joyce, um, you know, he, he talked to the brothers recently and said, man, usually when I get done with an album, I'm just sick of it. But man, I, I'm not sick of this album. And this guy, I mean, to get a compliment from, from Jay Joyce is hard. You know, and for him to say that and hearing people say Jay says he's in love with this new album y'all recorded, it's just like, wow, you know, that's amazing. As a, and I go back and listen to it and I'm, I'm just, you can feel the energy we had there. I, we even heard after it all happened, Pete and I were walking down the beach. It was about midnight. We'd been hearing all day there's some asteroid or meteor that was going to be coming closer than it has in 500 years or something and whatever we just heard somebody read it a couple times during the day and we're walking and pete goes what is that and usually if somebody says that and you look up you catch the very tail end of it yeah i saw this thing well, like a golf ball in my vision mm -hmm. and burn all the way across the sky and then just dissipate wow was like the just the little icing at the end of the magic for the week for us, and we were like enough. I mean, I'm usually gonna be like, oh, that was awesome, but we were like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, like what is going on right now? <laughs> and um, it was a magical week, so I can't wait for it to come out. The drum sounds. Speaking of um, just sort of the you know the studio musicians playing on the album being uh, sort of unprecedented is. The, the country music's kind of taking a small little shift and um, the consensus seems to be that we're a little part of uh, blazing some of those trails along with, you know, um, Mary Morris, Chris Stapleton, Sturgill Simpson. We may be a little branch of that as well. And um, 
with the with that, I got to experiment with some pretty cool drum sounds. I had, if you've seen the pictures of, on the brothers' uh, Facebook or media, you'll see that my toms have tape all over them. And yeah, we get the we're trying to get that JJ Kale sort of style, and I uh, had to play super soft, and I'm not used to playing soft, and I was there just, I mean, barely tapping away, trying to get the right, if I tapped, I mean, just a little too hard, it, it wasn't the right sound, and, um, and that really contributed to the whole vibe, and there was times I rocked out, but a, a lot of it's about as chill as I could do it, you know? Cool. It's cool, yeah. All about all about the sound of it. Right. You know, what, what does it sound like going down at the time? That's cool. So I, I, I don't guess that they're going to be a Stephen Slate uh, sample replacing you on this record, are they? Hey, I, I'm. I'm not, I want to say I'm proud of it. I am proud of this. Is that uh, there's going to be no samples and no quantizing, and I wish I wish there was like, can you do the literally loose like twenty percent? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's kind of like hearing yourself talk when you hear yourself play drums. If you hear somebody else do it, it's amazing. If you yeah. hear yourself do it, you can hear the the push and pull, the very slight, if there is. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, I would love it if I could go on an album and they just quantize it hard, be on one of these super produced albums. But this is, un- it's not like that. And, um, and the whole album's all cut live. We're all in the same room. Oh, it, man. We all have to be happy with it and move on. It's all one takes. See, that's refreshing, too, because you you know, you know guys have a nice band sound, and you're able to record together, play together, tour together. There's a lot to that. I think that gets missed. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of great artists, solo artists or whatever, and they have a different touring band every year, but it's not always the same. you know. Yeah. And then you have this wonderful luxury of being in a a beach house studio and you know even the walk to the studio gets you relaxed for the day i mean what a great situation yeah. man. the scenery the company everything really helps it it no stress of the a, real life yeah it create well it creates this interesting stew that uh that makes for a sound yeah if i ever have not that i'm anybody to critique nashville but if if i have ever had a critique about nashville is that sometimes a lot of times, the majority of the time, uh, if you hear, if you listen to the, the top 10 singles in country music that came out of Nashville, a lot of times it sounds like a lot of the same people recorded the same way in the same places using the same processes mm-hmm. because it is. Right, right. And one of the things that, uh, that really makes some of the albums that we love so much from the past 40 years, especially records from the 70s. 60s, 70s, maybe the early 80s. It's that vibe. It's that that interpersonal thing oh, between people. You do something, and then it makes me do something, right. and then you do something in response like that. Having everybody in the room like that, That's you must have huge. had a lot of that on this record. Yeah. Well, I think what you're saying, what you're getting at, is the imperfections. Yeah. And that seems so counterintuitive, but we've gotten to where when we first uh we're being introduced to pop music of course i was super young when the digital thing started happening but um we got so used to hearing it so nice and it was wonderful everything perfect you know that and sonically things could cut through and get even louder because of the perfection in the sonic qualities of the samples and 
and uh, the quantizing, the timing, everything's. And then I feel like um, a little part of our, um, I guess the best way to say is your soul. It misses the imperfection because we're in everything we do. The human part of us is imperfect and you can connect all you want to a machine, but eventually you need to get with an imperfect person to feel, to give and take, you know, and that's what, um, that's thankfully a machine can, I don't think we'll ever be able to replicate that, you know? Well, and I think that's a good point because I don't think any of us ever started out playing music thinking, Oh, I want to play with a machine. You start yeah. playing music because you're passionate about it and there's interaction with other players. Yeah. So it, I, I totally agree with that. You know, live in a room, let it push, pull, let it breathe. Well, the great thing about imperfections giving music something special is that it doesn't leave room for bad musicians. Right, you know, right. It, it, it means that somebody that is consistently has some consistency of their imperfection. I, w- I mean, when you go listen to like Jimmy Page, I meant he's not Steve Vai. Right, right. right. But when you, when you hear how he played, he was very consistent in how he played. He may not have executed perfectly, but you knew what he was doing, and you knew that he didn't care. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he was giving you his complete soul in the moment. Right. If he had if he had slowed down to make it perfect, it would not have had the, what it had. So, um, thankfully, uh, that imperfection is is uh, can't you know it doesn't it doesn't give enough grace to let people who aren't qualified to be there. But it also uh, doesn't allow you know mean that we're going to be stuck in the perfect perfected um, computer age. You know, we'll we'll move in and out. You know. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Cool. Well, I appreciate you spending time with us today. And, and there's a ton of stuff we could talk about. I'm sitting here looking at some of the comments going by. And there's a lot of people from uh, our old stomping grounds that are weighing in and saying hello. Uh, folks from Zero Mississippi that want to make sure that the that you know they're watching. And uh, we didn't even really get to talk about that. We'll have to have Adam back and Absolutely. talk about. Because what a lot of people don't realize about Adam is he didn't just show up at Nashville with a pair of drumsticks and all of a sudden call himself a drummer. He comes from uh, an incredibly musical family and uh, extended family um, and has a, has a, a long history of playing uh, music in the church. And uh, we have a very special history uh, that we can talk about. So we'll have to have Adam back and uh, we'll have him talk more. We'll go. We'll dig back deep. Next time, and we'll make some we'll of our to mi- the roots. <laughs> we'll make some <laughs> of our Mississippi friends happy. But uh, thanks for everybody leaving comments, and uh, thank you, Adam, for, for coming and spending time with us today. Yeah, great talking to you. Thank on you our so much. on our very first episode, the very first, the inaugural, the flagship, the premium. I'm looking for every adjective I can. Just keep dragging <laughs> this out. But uh, thank thanks for for um, coming and hanging with us. I want to acknowledge you for for being. Um, being who you are, which is just such a unique person in the landscape of, of not just Nashville music, but music in general, especially the tier that you're at now. I mean, I've been watching you for years uh, and I've always seen some very unique things about who you are as a musician that um, I, I appreciate you for bringing those consistently and fearlessly. And, and in that spirit, can can you give us, leave us with one piece of advice that you might give to someone coming up behind you? They're, they're that 18, 19, 20-year-old 
version of, of the what Adam Box used to be, and they're wanting to get to the level that you're at now. What kind of advice would you give to them? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is exactly how I feel every day when I'm, because I still set up my drums. Thankfully, I don't have to carry them, but I still set them up, and I think I always will because um, when I'm setting them up, I always say, and I, if there's somebody there, I'll just say it out loud, but I usually just whisper it to myself, I love drums. I just love, <laughs> it's not even just playing. I love playing them. I just love everything about drums. And, um, you know, I would show up at the Echo Lounge in Meridian, Mississippi, and there were, I knew there was going to be nobody there, but my friend Chris Etheridge was playing bass, and uh, I wanted to play drums. So I didn't care if there was nobody there. I didn't care. Um, and I could be playing in front of 50,000 people at Nissan Stadium. I could play at the Echo Lounge for nobody. I promise you if somebody says, hey, you can go play drums right now, I'll go do it. I don't care how much it pays. I don't care how many people's there. And if you love drums that much or your instrument that much, you're going to find yourself um, in a place you want to be because you made yourself available. And it was it. It was never work. You know, it's just right, right. It's just I, I loved it. I still love it, and I hope I always love it. And um, if you love what you do, I don't want to say some cliche, but. Um, You'll end up making yourself in putting yourself in so many situations that the, the the slot machine of opportunities is going to hit on something. Sure. And don't bank don't bank on that because that's not why you're playing anyways. If you are, then you're going to be really disappointed when you get there because I promise you, I ain't any happier now than I was when I was playing at the Echo Lounge. Okay? That's good stuff, right that, there. That's an interesting point that's to make. I think a lot of people think that once you get there, that does make you that does make you happy. Mm-hmm. And it takes you back to, you know, when you're a kid and you play drums for the first time. It's like, oh, this is so cool. Yeah. I, I love it. You know, you got to keep that passion. Cool. What, a, what a great dude. Well, man, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Adam. Thank you all. And, and thanks to everybody for uh, for tuning in for our very first episode. We're, we're getting the bugs worked out, the kicks worked out. We're going to take the whole week and, uh, and keep working on the technology. We'll have the, the call-in available next week so people will be able to call in and weigh in on stuff that we're talking about. And um, uh, in the meantime, make sure that uh, you go to uh, Dial a Drummer on pretty much every social media uh, network out there. Instagram, Twitter. Facebook. Facebook. Uh, YouTube. Insta-Drummer. Just Insta add water. <laughs> I mean, just there's... Anywhere, make sure you follow us, and uh, we'll be here every single week. And every week's gonna get a little bit better, absolutely. Get a little bit of iteration every week, and um, yeah, that's pretty. Oh, um, see, that's that's where I I got a tick down. We have a, an interesting little list down here that I'm looking at. Make sure uh, hashtag us with any questions that you may have, topics that you'd like for us to talk about. Hashtag dial a drummer on all the social networks. We'll uh, we'll make sure to. Uh, put those in Get our running list of things to talk about. Uh, you can send us emails to dialadrummer at gmail.com. And hopefully this week we'll have the site up as well. And we're going to start populating that with all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, make sure that you, you go and check out uh, the Brothers Osborne if you don't already know. And um, 
Uh, when you see them in your town on tour, please by all means go, go see, see them. Go see Adam. It's a great show. And the band is an amazing live band. And um, come back every week. Share us with your friends. And uh, we'll see you next time on Dial a Drummer. Dial a Drummer. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. That was fun. See y'all. Later. See you, Adam. See y'all.